Okay. Thank you guys so much for joining this in conversation with Saida. We definitely just started it. And um, this is going to be incredible. I am so excited. Thank you so much, Saida, for joining us for this discussion. Um, Saida is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Congratulations. Um, training under Isaac July Jr. and Lloyd Irvin in Washington, D.C. Uh, as a high-level Saida at Blue Belt and Purple Belt became a three-time IBJJF Gi Masters World Champion, three-time IBJJF Gi Pan Ams Champion, IBJJF No Gi Pan Ams Champion, and IBJJF World Gi and No Gi Medalist. Saida, you are incredible. So I am so excited to have you here for this conversation. And I want to just pass the floor over to you to start. Um, What is jujitsu? (laughs) Thank you guys so much for having me, first of all. Um, And as you said, I I did just get promoted to Black Belt, which was really exciting. Um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a lot of people are more familiar now than they have been in the past, but um, it is a martial art that I usually describe it as kind of a combination of Judo and American wrestling and then adding in submissions. So like choke holds and arm bars and leg locks and things like that. Um, It can be used really effectively in self-defense situations. So a lot of people do get into it from the self-defense aspect, Um, but it's also a sport. Um, And there, you know, there, there are differences obviously between teaching it or practicing it as a martial art or self-defense martial art versus the sport. Um, both equally fantastic, but, um, it, uh, it's often used by smaller people or people that might not have as much strength as other people to kind of, um, even out the, the size of a bigger opponent. Um, so you're using a lot of kind of, um, the science and the physics behind your body movements to control a larger opponent. Um, and especially if they have no skill. So if you have somebody who's attacking you, who is just a big person, you're able to use the skill behind your own body's movement and using their weight against them to control the position and get them in a compromising situation and either be able to escape or be able to submit them and, uh, or choke them out and put them to sleep and then run away (laughs) in a self-defense situation. So quick background. (laughs) No, I, I appreciate the, the clarity on that. And how did you get into the sport? Um, so short version, shorter version is, um, I grew up doing martial arts. Actually, I grew up doing gymnastics first and then I'm six one for people that are not seeing me, but, um, I got, uh, kicked out of gymnastics for being too tall. (laughs) So, um, I actually, that's what led me to martial arts, which was awesome in the long run. But, um, I was living in Egypt with my family and I was doing Taekwondo, um, and it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, when we moved back to the U.S., um, I tried to find Taekwondo studio. The Taekwondo in the U.S. was quite watered down compared to what I had been used to. Um, people kind of refer to them now as like McDojos, <laughs> but it was just kind of 
meh, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel the same, um, love for the art. I didn't, I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have the people I had grown up with. Um, so I kind of just went away from martial arts for a while, did other sports, went to high school, all that fun stuff. Um, and then later on in life found my way back to martial arts, but did, did some boxing, kickboxing, got into some capoeira, um, which is a Brazilian martial art also that's kind of fun. Um, but I had some people who asked me repeatedly for about a year and a half to come do some jujitsu. And I sort of knew what it was. I watched MMA, I watched UFC, and I was like, okay, when you get onto the ground, that's all that stuff, you know? And I was, um, I was also dealing with, um, a health issue that was I didn't think I would be able to do it basically but um I ended up trying it and was one of those people who just fell in love instantly and um started doing it every day and then all the time every day and then quit my nine to five and started coaching and took it on full time and now we're here <laughs> No, I, I really love that. And for everyone, for context, um, I have been so blessed and honored to be able to train alongside Saida over a few months. And, and one of my big questions for you, Saida, is there's some with jujitsu, there's an element that I've personally experienced training for the past, you know, however, however many months, uh, especially at the beginning, fight or flight is so real because you're in these dynamics that are not as normal as one would think on on day-to-day life if you're not training it where you're rolling with someone and the other per rolling meaning you're you're training alongside someone and the goal of the other person is to really submit you and make you have to tap or be in pain or pass out and it really triggers a fight or flight reaction. And at least for me, very much at the beginning, put me in panic attack mode where, and as you know, it was very emotionally, um, it was something that I emotionally had to get over. And it was a very growing experience for me. Um, did you have a similar experience when you started out or, you know, you handled it, Saida, I can't even tell you like a therapist um, coming over with such tact and grace that I, it was such a juxtaposition to uh, I'm being killed, but wait, I'm supported in this process so I can kill. It was just this really cool um, juxtaposition. So from your experience as a coach and then also as training, um, how do you, you mentally prepare for that headspace? That's so interesting. <laughs> um, well, I have to say, you know, I know that everybody has a really different reaction to it. And um, as a coach, I really see all those different dynamics. For me, um, I think because my background had been in not just sports, but martial art specifically, where, um, you know, it, my idea was, okay, I'm going into a fight, quote unquote, right? But, um, but jujitsu is very different from like uh, boxing or Muay Thai or something like that, where, you know, for me, when somebody punches me in the face even when we're training my reaction is like dude <laughs> what did you just do and I want to I want to hit them back you know I want to punch them back 
And I think for a lot of people, even in jujitsu, that same thing happens. Like somebody sweeps you and you're like, ah, why would you do that? You're trying to attack me. And then you defensively immediately have that fight or flight response and you want to beat them back up. Right. Which is not a bad thing. It's a good natural instinct to have. Right. Um, For me, the the feeling of jujitsu is so different because um, you're not you're not actively, you know, trying to hurt somebody. Like you're trying to get them into a position where when, you know, when we were kids, we say cry uncle, right? Like you're putting them in a situation where they realize that they can't get out of it. And then they have this beautiful thing called tapping where you can just be like, okay, we're done. Right. And you can reset. So you're not getting really hurt. You shouldn't be really getting hurt when you're training or even competing, you know, the, the purpose is not for somebody to get hurt. The purpose is for them to admit that your skill is better than them. Right. (laughs) Or in a self-defense situation, um, not be able to get out of the situation, thus enabling you to get out of the situation. Right. So, um, it's less about dominating somebody else and it's more about, making them realize kind of like a chess match that you've been checkmated. There's no way out of this and I might as well give up. Right. And my goal is always that it's getting people to understand that dynamic within their own body as a coach, you know, like how do I put somebody else in that position where they realize that my skill in this specific match was better than their skill. And then you end it and you shake hands and you smile and then you move on to the next one. And, you know, while not every time you're rolling with somebody is going to end in somebody submitting somebody else, it could just be the sweeping back and forth, which is like for everybody that doesn't do jujitsu when you, you know, when you're on the bottom and then you get on top, or if you disengage and you stand back up and then you take somebody down, it's that feeling of like, even if I didn't win the whole thing, I did something where I felt like I was in control of the situation and I knew where I was with my body and I knew that I could move their body based on what movements I was doing. And that, you know, for a lot of people, that's a very empowering thing when they're used to like um, thinking of a fight of I'm going to get hurt and instead breaking it down to I can just be in control of the situation And that gives them a lot more, um, you know, ability to feel in control in other situations. I know a lot of people that do jujitsu that, you know, have stressful lives and they like, oh, but, you know, if I can handle that, then I can handle, you know, going into this surgery and taking somebody's appendix out, (laughs) which is a weird thing. But, hey, it works. Um. Though I I totally agree, and I I really appreciate the parallel to chess, because I've personally seen that where you can be in a position that is, you know, not very advantageous and be able to still come out on top. So have, and you are not just a trainer, a competitor, a coach, but, you know, an incredible athlete through your journey and even now when you're in positions where you're not in a good position and you're really not set up for success in that moment how do you keep your head straight to stay focused on not getting 
anxious, not getting fight or flight, staying in the moment, putting yourself in a position where you can still um, succeed, even if you're, you're in not in a great position. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the chess, the chess thing is, um, you know, I, I really like chess. I like that you can be kind of in, you're putting really good positions or really good, um, uh, really good pieces of yours in bad positions in order to get a better piece, right? So you're like, I'll give up something to take something bigger, right? So you kind of have to approach it the same way. Like, yes, I will put myself underneath you because I can come up on your back and choke you out rather than us both just sitting here holding on to each other and not really accomplishing anything, right? Um, but another way, and to bring a totally different sport into it, um, especially when people are starting out, is I kind of like to tell them to think of it like baseball or softball, where you have different bases, right? So if you can get to your first base, you can kind of settle a little bit and calm down. So if you take somebody down, but then they trap you in their guard, so they wrap their legs around you, there is a lot of things they can do from there. They, they could submit you right from there, right? But you also are still on top and you can hold your chest up and you can breathe and you can take a second to assess the situation and see where you can go and then move forward to the next position. So you're kind of going from first base to second base. So you're trying to pass their guard and then, you know, hold them there again. So when you're in those bad positions, um, it's trying to figure out like where your bases are and different people might have different places that they feel comfortable, but finding the places that you feel like you can take a breath and assess the situation and then go from there to the next place that you feel safe and if if they take you into a bad spot retreating back one one base quote unquote and going back to somewhere that you feel safe again and then going back to the next position that you want to be in so breaking it down into like smaller bite-sized chunks rather than thinking i need to get all the way to the end or nothing at all will help kind of break that down and i think similarly that's that's how a lot of people um find jujitsu helpful it's like okay i can slow everything down take a breath even though all this crazy stuff is going on around me and it's like a whirlwind you're in the middle of it and you know that fight or flight thing or fawn even is is definitely a reaction that most people will have when they're put in a situation that they don't know but if you, you know, especially train jujitsu and you get to be put in those situations so often, then you, you know, your body starts understanding how it reacts and how you can kind of move forward from there. And it really does help you in those situations when you're put in them in, in some totally different situation in your life. Right. And that's, I think why so many people become kind of addicted to doing jujitsu and why they're like, I don't know why I feel so good after I just got beat up for an hour and a half, you know, but it's that kind of situation where you're like, Oh, life is not too bad. Like it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Right. Um, and that, and that's a helpful thing. A lot of people need that, that, you know, that way of getting it out of their system and not having it all pent up 
from your daily life. Um, it, it relaxes you and it gets you, it gets you straight. And it's also just like a mind body awareness that you don't get from a lot of other things. Um, and just adding to that, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of other martial arts specifically, I, I, I'll say sports in general, but, um, a lot of martial arts, especially striking martial arts, you can't spar every day, right? So you can like go hit a heavy bag every day, but you can't get punched in the face every day, right? You might be able to spar once a week um, and actually feel what it feels like, but you physically cannot get, take repeated damage in your face every day or even in your body every day, right? But like jujitsu, as you know, you can go and you can, drill for half an hour and and spar for an hour and go back and do it again the next day you know and that's that's it's really rare to have any sport that you can kind of go all out day in and day out and it's not even like a season like it's year round you know so I think that's why a lot of people get into it I I have also very much enjoyed um the when you are rolling with someone and you inevitably are going to be hugging at some point. It's not a hug, but after a long day, <laughs> I have been known to tell a training partner, thank you for the hug. Um, as I'm just bare gripping their back. It's actually quite pleasant. And so it's like a nice pause. Um, but no, it's great. I mean, even one of the anecdotes, I kind of want to shift the conversation a little bit too of, I was talking to some of my guy friends. We were at dinner and this was recently. And Saida, you would be very proud of me. I said that I had been training jujitsu. And one of the guys said that he was a wrestler in high school and wanted to roll with me, like in that moment in their apartment. So we moved to the furniture and uh, we started rolling. And immediately, like he's a, he's probably the same size, a little bigger than myself. And I was able to take him down and I put him in a triangle and he had to tap. And his immediate comment to me was, wow, Danya, I'm so impressed as a girl that you were able to take me down as someone who trained as a wrestler. And I, I was like, wow, firstly, thank you. Um, second, I was like, I just tap someone triangle you know i made someone have to submit in a triangle for people that don't know that's when you use your your legs to pretty much choke them so you feel free to add clarity or context on what that Basically. is but i wanted to ask you know when you think when when i think of martial arts there's it's very much in the narrative around being a hyper masculine male dominated space and one of my concerns in coming into jujitsu was would I be training only with men? Is that something that I personally would be comfortable with in jujitsu being a very close contact sport? Um, and I think that you and the gym have done an excellent job of, and I mean this sincerely, of building an incredible culture of of just comfort and everybody, regardless of someone's you know gender or height, size, weight, just being comfortable rolling with one another. But I wanted to ask through your experience and your history with jujitsu from beginning to now, how do you deal with 
you know, those types of conversations of, wow, you're a great fighter for, for a, a woman. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, and that caveat. And I know I saw your face right when you said it. And I was like, yes, I, I had that face too. Because I just would like a period at the end of that was a good job. Period. Done, period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean... That's a great question. Not to drop a very heavy. No, 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 no. That's a great question, and and I I appreciate you, um, you know, saying that we have a good culture, and I completely agree. I have definitely been to gyms that are, you know, all dudes, you know, very much kind of meat heady gyms that are doing jujitsu, you know, so it's not like it's jujitsu is some magical sport where you're going to go there and as a woman, you're going to feel comfortable and appreciated and all that stuff. That's, you know, I'm not going to say that. Right. But I do think that, um, you know, there are also gyms where there are a couple of women and they end up doing like women's only classes. And I also don't agree with that. And I will say why. Right. So, um, I, I think that having like women's events are really important, especially to get women who've never done it to engage and to feel comfortable, or maybe women who've had really bad experiences and that's what they're bringing into the sport and why they, why they found jujitsu because they want to learn how to defend themselves. I think that it's important to have events like that to bring women in, but when you keep it like, oh, there's a women's only class. So you should probably go to that. Then it becomes like, a, oh, you should only go to the women's only class and you shouldn't train with everybody else, which I totally don't agree with, you know, it's, especially if you're doing this as a self-defense, because how, what are the chances of you being attacked by another woman? <laughs> you know, like if you're training to learn how to defend yourself, chances are you're going to be attacked by some bigger, you know, male person, not a, you know, regular size woman who is there to have fun with you, you know? So I think that, I think that it's really important to have um, a community where it's not like the biggest deal to talk about the fact that there are women and men both training together and talk about when there are situations that come up and what does that feel like and why did it feel like that but also not making it this segregated thing where like oh you're a new woman that came in here train with this other woman like no you were all training together we have a female head coach and a male head coach and we're training with everybody you know and I don't I have never wanted it to be a situation where it's like you feel like you have to only train with women, but if you are a newer woman and you feel more comfortable training with women at the beginning, then there are other women there that you can train with, you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of having that equilibrium of both of those things until people get comfortable and the more comfortable they get and the more the men that are around them see that the women are comfortable, then they also pay attention to oh, this is how we train as a group, you know, I'm not trying to hurt uh, the women, but I'm also not trying to hurt the other men, you know, like, we're not trying to hurt each other, we're trying to train together, and as you know, you know, like, Coach Isaac always says, the most valuable resource on the mat is your training partners, like, if you hurt your training partners, who's going to help you get better, right, so um, 
again, it goes back to we're not actually trying to hurt each other. And I, I think a lot of martial arts or or combat sports, in the back of your head, there's still this thing about you are trying to hurt somebody, right? If when you get into that fight or when you get into a ring, you're trying to dominate somebody else. You're trying to hurt them, right? You're trying to assert control over them, right? And in jujitsu, you can do that without physically hurting somebody. And you have to adjust your mindset when you train for it to not have that, you know? And when you don't have that, then men and women can all train together and it's wonderful. And add to that, <laughs> um, you know, like, I think a lot of people go into jujitsu like, oh, well, a smaller woman can dominate a bigger man, which I, you know, is something that's been said over and over again about jujitsu. And I agree with it. But that only goes to like a smaller trained woman can dominate a bigger non-trained man. Right. But strength is an aspect like there is something you know if you take uh two high level people one is a female and a smaller female and one is a larger male you know like at any point he could probably put some strength into it and it's gonna imbalance the situation right so like again what are you trying to do it for are you trying to know how to beat somebody up or how, are you trying to learn how to defend yourself or are you trying to learn how to actually use your body the best way that you can and for both men and women if you're going into it understanding why you're training then you'll you know you can really respect the person's technique and then you'll have those period marks at the end of that was a really good role period <laughs> no i i love that and i think too one of the things that the gym does for context uh, for, for everybody is that there are classes that are called foundation classes and there are classes for new people that can come in and you just learn the foundations of jujitsu. And I was, I remember very early on, I took a foundations class site at which you, which you taught. And there was a gentleman there who was a bigger guy who was trying to correct you on the form or whatever. And I was looking at the the gal I was training with and rolling my eyes like, oh God, I see right through this bullshit. I'll call it that. And I remember you being brilliant and just saying, let's roll. You and me, let's do it right now. And he was a strong guy and you had him, you know, tapping I think in less than 30 seconds and it was just one of the moments where the class dynamic shifted after that especially for him where he goes he almost went yes ma'am like thank you ma'am can I have another ma'am it was but it's almost the element of um, the don't tell show and it's like I let me show you where technique comes in and um and I just, I love, love what you just said about, you know, the importance of being able to roll with everybody. You have value to give, even as someone who's a new beginner, um, as, as I am and very, um, I'm going to say the term, um, in lack of control of my limbs or social awareness, spatial awareness, um, that that even is a value to roll with people who are 
far advanced because those far advanced people need to be able to know how to control someone who is not as aware of the space and that there was a concern for me starting of well I don't want to waste other people's times as being a bad rolling partner they don't get as much value but when I realized that I was getting value they were getting value for different reasons maybe um, it totally changed how I approached um, training so I uh I, it was it was very fun. I have a, a question for you for, that uh, is a little bit of a pivot, but was submitted uh, from one of our members who couldn't be here today. And uh, he was adamant I asked, and so I'm very excited um, to, and then I want to open it up to Eric and Jasmine too, if they have questions or Veronica as well. Um, and anybody else that's that's listening, feel free to, to share. Um, do you feel like, and I'm going to read uh, what he had shared, do you feel like you have uh, periods where it's hard to stay disciplined? Uh, and do you have a system in place to prevent that or get back up to speed uh, through your training and competing? Oh, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, so a couple of things. I do try to um, change my routine slightly. Um, let me, let me approach that from a couple of different positions. Um, so jujitsu again is like a year long sport, right? But we do have gi and no gi and there are tournaments that involve both all year round also, but they're kind of our like specific big events that happen, um, more so for gi and then more so for no gi so you feel sort of like you can have seasons quote unquote and you can um switch between the two and kind of refocus your training which i think is helpful um at, for, from a competition standpoint that's helpful so you kind of switch your mindset for a while and then as soon as you start kind of getting like oh this is too much nogi it's all wrestling it's all slippery and wet and gross and then suddenly it's time for gi again and you're like okay whoo and then by the time you're sick of all these grips and i have no fingertips anymore because it's ripped off all the skin and like that then suddenly it's nogi season again right so that's helpful as far as that but um I think, you know, anybody who has been an athlete in any capacity or, you know, somebody who is a runner and runs, you know, they, they go running every day, right? You have to switch your routes. You have to switch, you know, what songs you're listening to when you, when you run. It's, it's a similar thing in jujitsu, you know, like um, there's, when you're an when you're a competitive jujitsu athlete, there's a lot of like strength and conditioning that goes into it. There's a lot of um, training sessions that are just drilling, you know, and just doing the same movements over and over and over again. Then there are like the really hard round days. So, you know, um, for me personally, I kind of use those different things to switch switch in my head what I'm focusing on and um, and not get bored with whatever my routine is. Um, for, from a coaching standpoint, you know, uh, Coach Isaac and I work really hard on a, a curriculum that um, changes the focus every month but connects to the month before. 
so that, you know, jujitsu is this like infinite wealth of knowledge where you could really dive into one position and spend months on just that tiny thing. But if you just did that for months on end, people would be like, okay, enough spider guard or enough lasso guard or whatever it is. Right. So like, I think that, um, that switching around every month and growing onto the thing that you learned the last month. Um, it, it's helpful for the people that come every single day, but it's equally helpful for people that come like once a week. And then, you know, four weeks later, they're doing something new. And if they really pay attention, they realize how it's connected, but if they don't, it's okay. They show up, they have a good class, they train and they leave, you know? Um, but I definitely feel like, yeah, if you if you get stuck in a rut, there's always, you know, you can always go switch up your routine a little bit and refocus. Um, I have not gotten bored of it yet, so <laughs> hopefully that never happens. Fingers crossed. Um, and I have another one, and then Eric, Jasmine, Veronica, if you guys have, feel free to hop in too. Um, you are now, Saida, so excited. Uh, so exciting that you are now a black belt, which is the highest belt. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, because I know you can get stripes too along the way on, on your black belt journey now. But how do you balance holding a uh, high standard and pushing to achieve your goals um, while also appreciating the journey and the path and the growth mentality of of being within the yeah. sport? Uh, I, that one has really hit me recently because, you know, um, for people that don't know, jujitsu is probably the hardest black belt to get of any martial art that we have around, um, in the world today. Um, it takes a really long time. It's a lot of really hard work involved and there's no kind of straight answer to how to get it right it's not like there are some martial arts where you come to a certain number of classes and then you take a test and you get your next belt and you keep going like that until you get your black belt right jujitsu is not like that at all and depending on the school depending on the coaches depending on whether you're a competitor or not it's a very different road you know there are people that it takes 20 years to get a black belt there are some people who you know it takes a shorter amount of time but they're like winning every world championship you know um and probably training four times a day right so like um i I often throughout my journey have tried to be really aware that if my only goal is to get my black belt, then, you know, there's a very clear point that that's going to happen. And then what? Right. So, um, yes, it was a goal, obviously, but it wasn't like uh, the end all be all goal. And I think a similar thing happens um, when you're starting jujitsu or any martial art, but definitely jujitsu is like getting your blue belt because so many other martial arts, like you get your next belt within like four months of starting a martial art and you're like, okay, whoo. And then you get that little adrenaline rush of like, Ooh, I got the next point. And then you feel like that excitement jujitsu, like a normal person goes at least two years as a white belt 
before they get their next belt, right? And that's a really long time to have somebody commit to doing something that they are like, I'm still a beginner, like really a beginner. You know, that's like, I just did, I just got an associate's degree and I'm still a beginner, <laughs> you know? And and that's that's hard for a lot of people. So a lot of people feel the same way about blue belt, which is the next higher belt from white belt, right? And they put so much work and thought into, I just want to get my blue belt. I just want to get my blue belt. And then immediately quit, you know, or like soon after they get their blue belt, they stop showing up because it was like such a huge deal to them. And it took so long in in the big scheme of things to do it that they quit, right? That's a very common thing. A lot of people quit after that first belt, right? So um, I never, I never want, I never felt that feeling of, I, I just want to do this for the black belt, right? But I do, I do definitely feel that way about certain tournaments. Like I commit to a certain tournament and I work really hard to get to that point. And yes, there's like, uh, you know, their brain activities that happen when you win something or when you accomplish something or you complete a goal and, you know, it feels good and you feel euphoric um, or you feel awful because you lost. Right. But um, but if that's it, then, you know, then what happens afterwards? Right. What did I actually <laughs> accomplish? Right. So um I, I just always want to find the next thing that I, I'm inspired by. And I really, my focus has shifted a lot to watching other people's growth. And I know that that happens when, you know, I'm coaching and competing. And sometimes those are in conflict, but sometimes they actually come together in a beautiful way where I'm watching the people around me accomplish these things that maybe I already accomplished, but I'm watching a new person getting to that point. And that's equally as fulfilling to me, which is a really crazy feeling. And I'm like, whoa, this actually sustains me just as much. So it's, it's really beautiful to kind of feel the shift inside of myself. And, um, you know, like the day I got my black belt was super overwhelming and very recent for the people on here. But, but also the next day I woke up and I was like, man, I have a bunch of students that are competing in two weeks and I need to get them ready, <laughs> you know? So, you know, they kind of go hand in hand, but they're very different experiences. Yeah, I, I would, I would believe that. And I also think um, there, it was this incredible documentary done uh, with Michael Phelps. I don't know if you've heard of the weight of gold. Mm, I haven't watched it. And but yeah. It's a fascinating, it's a fascinating documentary. And they take into like Gracie gold, who was an Olympic figure skater, Michael Phelps, uh, Olympic swimmer. They take all of these Olympians and incredible elite athletes who achieve their milestone goals of you go to the Olympics and you get your gold. And then it goes into that day one following the Olympics. Oh, wow. And yeah. it goes, you know, what now? So the weight of gold is the whole thing around mental health and how do you, and Michael Phelps is a, is a massive advocate for mental health, talking about combating, you know, depression, anxiety, following. Um, and 
not necessarily the, the greatest pivot here, but how do you maintain, you know, your mental health through all the straining ups and downs and, you know, the accomplishing your goals, working towards new goals? Do you have a routine that, that you do that keeps you, you know, mentally sharp outside of, um, outside of training? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question too. Um, and I, I, um, you know, I think that um, jujitsu. You you were saying this recently um, about you want to hug people afterwards, and you're like, "That was the best hug," even though you were trying to choke me out, right? But um, you know, I noticed this a lot during the pandemic when people weren't able to train together as a group, and um, like physical contact with other human beings is vital right? It's at an actual necessity for us as human beings, right? And when we don't have that physical touch, there's a lot of mental health struggles, right? So jujitsu just by itself is already something that helps a lot of people's mental health. And I believe most of it is not just from the community aspect, which is great, but from the physical touch of it, right? Like, yeah, you're trying to choke me out, but we're, we're hugging each other the whole time. Right. And, and that, that does help a lot of people's mental health, but I've told people that are really struggling that that can't be your only method to control your mental health. And, um, like my, I lost my sister last year and I was really, um, you know, I was, depressed is not the right word but I was definitely like kind of lost I was orbiting (laughs) um and not sure you know how to deal with it or what to do about it and um it's really important to be able to talk about what you're going through and kind of find the right people to talk to even if it's not an actual professional you know having people around you that can just break it down with you and talk through it and and work it out with you is important but that physical part is really important too and I think that people's mental health um you know is is a big concern since COVID and people you know being so separated from one another even after you know the world has more reopened has shown how much people are struggling with that and I think that you know community is vital community is vital physical contact is vital and jujitsu luckily is a sport that brings together those two things in a really strong way the community is really powerful and really help each other out and really hold each other accountable and hold each other together and that is a has been a huge help for me like people you know that I don't see every day that reach out and just check on me is extraordinary you know people that I've competed against people that I know from tournaments all over the world will show up for you when you need them and that's really rare that's um my dad used to have this term called um, temporary autonomous zones, TAZs, and, um, and it's like when you find a space where everybody has common beliefs or understandings, no matter where you are in the world, you can feel like you're at home. And that's sort of what jujitsu has given me and gives us as a whole is like, 
you could go anywhere in the world and you could go into a gym and go train jujitsu with people that don't speak the same language that, you know, one's a doctor and one's a janitor and, you know, <laughs> like everybody, it's just a common language that everybody can communicate with. And, you know, you feel like a big warm blanket surrounding you with those people. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And I, I really appreciate, um, you know, you coming and talking and, and being so open about your journey. And, um, and I agree. I think there's a lot of beauty in uh, shared passions and the common sentiments around an activity, a goal. You see this in, you know, community groups. I mean, we've seen that in space where we've had members in, in this community who've gone to different cities and gotten to connect, or, you know, you can see it in religious groups when you travel internationally and you're you're welcomed into different communities for a shared belief and i think that's um really beautiful and and i've definitely seen that since my training and i've you know loved it and i've loved every time i get to train alongside you saida so i'm I'm so so grateful for your your expertise and insights um and i want to just open the floor if um anyone on this call has any questions for um or further questions. And if I'll not, just ask, oh, ask a quick Yeah, question. please, Eric, go ahead. Um, hey, just curious, like, have you ever had to use this um, in real life or anything come up where, like, you just had to, like, uh, it, it kind of kicked in or maybe some instincts came in? Love that question. So uh, I'm going to answer it in two parts. So... Just really quickly, um, I won't go into details, but I had done other martial arts growing up as a kid, which I mentioned. Um, and I did, when I was a teenager, I was attacked randomly out outdoors and um, completely froze up, just as a reference point. Completely froze up, didn't use anything that I had ever learned. Um, it was a horrible you know, reaction. It was a horrible feeling afterwards to realize that that's how I reacted, um, which was, I'm sure, a large part of why I continued to train martial arts later in life and and find um, other martial arts where my reaction time and my understanding would be better. Um, but I've not had to use it for myself. But the only time I've used jujitsu, um, I don't know where you guys are, but DC. Um, there's a part of DC called DuPont and um, there's a lot of clubs and night activity there and uh, I was walking home from train it was it was after training but it was later at night and it was like a club night and there was this guy um, who had his girlfriend kind of pressed up against the wall or his partner something he had a, a girl pressed up against the wall and he was you know, yelling obscenities at her and, and calling her a bitch and, uh, kept smacking the, the wall behind her head, not hitting her, but hitting the wall behind her head. And there were, you know, maybe five or six people standing around just kind of watching and not doing anything. So I yelled at him to just, you know, walk away, let her go, whatever. He didn't. Instead, he started coming at me, yelling at me and telling me to mind my own business and got really close to me. And I did for Danya. I did an arm drag, which is like grabbed his arm, pulled his arm in, got to his back, 
and held a choke. <laughs> and he was like, what? You don't think that's going to stop me? Whatever. And then he just, <laughs> just fell asleep. <laughs> and I just put him on the ground and the cops showed up. But what made me laugh the most about it, it was, you know, I did this arm drag to a back take, choked him. And then as soon as I had him in the choke, the you know the three dudes who were recording were like oh let me come help you <laughs> i was like oh thanks <laughs> but um yeah that was the only time that i've had to use it it felt good that you know it was my natural reaction and you know that it was a fast reaction um and i do have one other close friend who had to use it recently um there was a guy who was breaking into apartment buildings um in Arlington, Virginia. And he broke into her apartment. Her roommate had just moved out um, and she was asleep in bed. And he came into her room and she also ended up doing like a pretty simple jujitsu move on him and was able to hold him off while the neighbor called the cops. So I definitely think that it's, um, I've heard more success stories than people, you know, just completely freezing up. And I think that a large part of that has to do with the fact that we're actively training it every day and they're so different. The scenarios are so different. Um, you know, your body has more time to react and, and feel it on a daily basis. Whereas, like I said before, you can't, you know, you can't train striking every day. And also like if somebody hits you and then you go to the ground you're kind of limited by the kicks and punches that you can do once you're on the ground. So jujitsu is pretty helpful for that situation as well. That's so cool. Um, what do you train? You look like you train. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Oh, thank you. Um, I know I just go to the gym, but I haven't, I have thinking about taking um, jujitsu or, or just something. I used to do a little bit of boxing, nice. but, um, but it is pretty taxing on like, the wrist and stuff and over time like just little kinks but um how did that feel like after you you put the guy to sleep was everyone just like whoa what the heck just happened or like yeah I mean you know there were some people cheering most people were drunk around there and I was probably the only sober person there which you know was usual <laughs> in that situation but um yeah I think I think that the, the girl that he was with freaked out a little bit because she she was like you're killing him and i thought that that was pretty interesting like he you know he's he's literally i'm literally doing this in your honor and now you're trying to get me off of him but i do think that that's also a natural reaction i don't blame her at all for that situation but um it felt good i mean it, it really felt like you know, I felt vindicated in my training and I wasn't, you know, I was, I was maybe like three years in to training when that happened. So, you know, I have faith that I could probably hold my own. Obviously, if there's a weapon involved, it creates a, another layer. Um, luckily, there were not any weapons involved and nobody else jumped in, you know, um, I don't ever want to feel like I'm comfortable. Like I can just relax. You have to, you have to be on your toes no matter what, you know, I think that I see a lot of people like 
walking around in the streets with both headphones in, you know, no spatial awareness at all. And in my head, I'm always like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, it's crazy to watch people be so relaxed walking around a city. But, um, you know, if nothing's ever happened to you, I guess you don't you don't have that reaction. Um, But yeah, I, I definitely... I'm glad that I have it and I and I think that it's not going anywhere if anything I'm more aware but I also think that um I've heard a lot of people say this that the least likely people to get in a fight are fighters you know (laughs) um and part of that is just it's spatial awareness but it's also presence of your own body and and how you present yourself so um you know somebody attacking me is I think far less likely with how I carry myself now than before I started training. And I think that that applies, especially for a lot of women that I know they just carry themselves differently, which is a deterrent, but you should come train. We won't hurt your wrists. <laughs> Eric is up in uh, New York, but Eric, next time you're down Perfect. in the DMV. I got come- people there. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're interested, definitely, <laughs> Saida. I was going to do a question, too. If people have questions um, or any comments or follow-up about jiu-jitsu or training or whatnot, um, is there a social media or a best way to stay in touch and support, you know, everything that you're doing in content or or whatnot around yeah, jiu-jitsu? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am... I'm on Instagram. That's probably the way that I, I communicate with the most people, um, that I'm not seeing on a daily basis. Uh, like you said, it's Jinja Ninja. It's G I N J A N I N J A B J J at Drew. Uh, yeah, that's my Instagram handle, but, um, yeah, man, I love talking about anything um not just jujitsu related but just life related and you know <clears throat> i'm i'm big on people getting in touch with other people i'm a i'm a big networker and uh try to be a catalyst for other people's growth and um i know a lot of people all over the world so uh, i'd love to connect people all over so let me know new york that's not far <laughs> we got you <laughs> So, Eric, now there's no excuses. We have uh, the incredible black belt coach Saida <laughs> saying, come train. <laughs> if I come to DC, I'll definitely stop by. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Um, and I, Eric, any any other question? Jasmine, Veronica, I just want to make space. Um, yeah, go ahead, Jasmine. Uh, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jasmine. Okay, thank you. Um, and I just want to close on just thank you so much, uh, Saida, for this conversation. I I learned a lot. I hope this is very valuable to everyone who's going to be listening and who did listen. Um, and I just want to give you the floor, Saida, just as the last word, if there's anything, any way that we can support uh, work that you're doing or anything that we didn't talk about that you think would be good to kind of just leave, leave the note on. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. And again, I hope we didn't nerd out too much on just jujitsu talk. Um, you know, the main thing that is that, you know, 
using your body in a physical capacity, I think is really important for people. And, you know, whatever way you find that makes you feel like you're moving and grooving and feeling healthy and keeping your mind sharp um, are vital. And I know we didn't touch on this, but, you know, jujitsu has a lot of older practitioners, people who, you know, did other sports when they were younger. And then, you know, you can't do those forever, but there are a lot of people doing martial or doing jujitsu as a martial art, like much later in life. And I think that that is, you know, a key to keeping some people active that they didn't have before or didn't have access to. And I think that that's so awesome to see when we have, you know, like a 65 year old guy and like an 18 year old dude training together and everything in between. Um, but I think that, um, you know, just, just finding ways to stay healthy and, and stay together as a community is vital. And thank you guys for creating spaces for people to share their stories through that. Oh, well, thank you so much, Saida. And um, I hope you have an incredible drive back. (laughs) And thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation. Thank you, guys.